0: Episode 125 of 4 Games with Barry and Hex is all about Last Will and Prodigals Club. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about two games from designer Vladimir Suchi. In Last Will, you're trying to spend all of your money as fast as possible, and in The Prodigals Club, you're trying to do the same thing while also losing political votes and destroying your social standing. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about Last Will and Prodigals Club. How do you feel about golf? Generally speaking, yeah. I mean, not great. Mini golf is okay. Regular golf seems like a very small ball for how much space it takes up. There's a last week tonight about golf courses aren't great, but how do I, I feel uh, about super low scores? Intentionally. Yes. Uh, a little better. And I would say that the games we're talking about today, Last Will and Prodigal's Club, Feel really unique. This is jumping ahead to one of our typical review questions. Feel really unique because you are trying to get the lowest score. You're trying to drive down to the lowest score. And in golf, it's not like you start with a bunch of
1: Oh, in, in these games, you start with points.
0: Yeah, but it is the same that you are trying to get the lowest score. These are both by the same designer. And I think you'd have to say that they're sequels to one another because the second one, it's a little like... The Century Trilogy, except there's just two. It's not that good, though. Well, it's like it in that both games can be played separately, but you can also combine the games to play one game that is thematically consistent.
1: Implementation of it isn't as cool as Century, but it is cool.
0: I think that it's pretty cool. Now, we didn't even play them together. This isn't like the Century Trilogy or the clever tetralogy where we're talking about every game in the series and then like the century one also combining every game in the series we we really went all out for this we have just played each game individually even though there is a method by which you can combine the two and kind of use one as an expansion for right. the other. And my,
1: yes. my review of it not being as good as Century just comes from having read how they would be combined.
0: And it yeah. doesn't seem as seamless, but it is and fun. And we also didn't even... There's, there's an optional no, money board, so the to prodigal speak. Prodigal Son. In the Prodigal Club. Prodigal The Prodigal the Sun yeah. is a different thing. It's a, yeah, it's a different game a different story fatted calf there is a board that we didn't use you can choose to use any two or three total and we chose not to use the money board and that is what you would replace with the entire basically the entire game of last will which was the first game to come out so now that we've talked all around what we're actually talking about There's a game called Last Will. I think it came out in like 2011, maybe. We'll have links in the episode description for both of these if you want to go view more details on Board Game Geek. And then the Prodigals Club came out maybe four, a few years after that. They were both published by Czech Games Edition. And in the first one, the very first line of the rule book. This is like the flavor text at the beginning, the kind of setting of the story is like your uncle is dead. Hooray. Because the idea is that he had lots of money, but then didn't enjoy it. And he came to the end of his life and thought, you know, that was a mistake. I should have not just been letting this money sit there for the purposes of acquiring wealth. I should have been enjoying it. I should have been spending this money to live, you know, uh, exciting and fun and fulfilling life. So in his will, he stipulated that everyone would get some money, but whoever was able to spend it the fastest, meaning whoever wasn't just going to hoard it, he's going to get the rest of the money. And then therefore, I guess, get to hoard it if you want or continue spending and living lavishly.
1: It's kind of surprising when you think about how fun that sounds to just spend a bunch of money that there hasn't been a Go Broke game before.
0: I think there should be more Go Broke games very often in board games, you are meticulously trying to get like the most out of your resources. And in a sense, it's not technically different here. Like you have a goal and you're trying to do it the best, but there is an emotional difference in trying to get and acquire and the pressures of not having enough versus trying to absolutely get rid of everything and the pressures of having too much. Well,
1: And that's interesting that you say that because I don't feel like I experience the game emotionally different than basically... Any game where money are points at the end of the game, but the point value of the money is not high. So you're highly incentivized to end with almost no money. Like your money's going to earn you more points by spending it than by keeping it.
0: Yeah. And so I
1: felt like the mechanics of that game were basically similar to a bunch of other games where you're trying to not have money left over at the end of the game.
0: I understand from a fundamental perspective. And this is where we're going to have a real. I know you don't even watch Think Your Themer, but Amy and Maggie, Think Your Themer they will talk about games as exactly that think you're being the strategic kind of part of the game the nuts and bolts and the theming being more the story you're being you're that you can tell in that game or how those things how the elements of the game work together to make that story more realized make that theme more realized i like the theme of this because i like it a game where When you create this story by playing it like a unique playthrough of it. So for me, not as much about who did win or not, but that like these elements come together. And now you kind of have this narrative about what happens, which in our game, you were like, yeah, I had a mansion. I threw a wild party. It was a townhouse. I had a townhouse. Townhouse, You threw a wild party, which completely destroyed the house. That's the whole goal is to just get rid of this money. Trash the house, sold it at a loss. Yeah. I like how you in this game are getting these companions to come along with you. Uh, Shut Up and Sit Down has a video about this, which they did maybe six, at least six years ago, where they kind of have this sketch of like, oh yes, I'm going out to dinner and I've, I've brought my dog and this horse. Cause you can just bring things along with you to spend more money. You can have people staying at your house basically, which costs more money to upkeep. So you do have this narrative that you're building. And I think that's kind of more interesting to me than literally the nuts and bolts of the game so for you to say oh well this is actually the same as a lot of these other games where you're not incentivized to keep money but it's even more straightforward because there's not this other thing the whole thing is just losing money makes a whole lot of sense as to why you won which you did when both of the games and I think you understood the balance of that engine because the one thing that complicates this in just getting rid of your money is that if you acquire properties, and I kind of think like, would I acquire properties the next time I played? Maybe not. When you acquire properties, you uh, can't just get rid of them. You have to sell them. Right. And if you haven't sold them by the end of the game, you have to sell them at the end of the game for more money, which is a problem because you're trying to go you bankrupt. You don't want the
1: money. Now so You can, you can adjust is, the market.
0: You can adjust the market, but that is the one thing. You can also depreciate the house. You can't depreciate farms. That's one of the four types of properties there are. That's one little bit of a hitch in, okay, yeah, I'm trying to get rid of money. I'll just spend money every turn, and some will spend faster than others. I think the property is the only way that you get an influx of money when you sell it. Does anything else get you an influx of money? Nothing else is positive, You're not at any other time making money. Yeah, so you start with just, 70 just, and there are those great. optional cards where you start with differing amounts. Yeah, which
1: actually that kind of changes the, the the math because... It
0: does change the math because you'll have more money to start with, but that also means you might be able to dump it in a different way. Like it, having more might also allow you to dump more. Right. I think it's possible depending on not a lot of things you can pay for. So if anything, I think that it fell a little more in my own personality to have some like have kind of a plan an even plan to kind of burn this down but it sort of feels like yeah i shouldn't get the uncle's money because this was honestly enough and i was struggling to get rid of it so i probably would have just kept it more conservatively and then you know invested well i threw a
1: raucous party and burned the house down
0: i think it would be interesting if there were stocks and you were trying to lose money on stocks
1: oh that could get Either really fun or really dumb.
0: There is an expansion. I don't know if that's the expansion or not. I have no idea what happens in the expansion for this game. So that's what's going on in Last Will. You have the option to, uh, you can also like go to events. There's white, white bordered cards and black bordered cards. Right. The white ones are one-time events, so you might just go do something. You can pay usually more actions or additional companion cards, which are slate-bordered, kind of a blue-bordered card, to increase the cost of that event. Right.
1: Like, for example, I went on a boat trip, and because I brought my chef and my lady friend, yeah, uh, I was able to have a much more expensive boat trip than if I had gone on myself.
0: Yeah, and I had, a on the other side, the black-bordered cards. Sometimes those are properties, but they can also be like people. So I had like a college friend who I could just—I was giving money to. He was stealing money in the in the, theme of the game. Yeah. So
1: some of the assistants uh, swindle you, but it looks good on tax papers, so it's
0: fine. So yeah. Oh, and he was letting is, me keep extra cards, which can yeah. help you plan a little better. I felt like I didn't get full use out of him. It just sounded really good when we started the game. um There are some people that give you extra actions sometimes they also take some money with you as they give you those extra actions there's a lot of little ways to be like leaking out money and i think that if you don't win if you don't lose fast enough if you don't get rid of your money fast enough the game will end itself after a number of rounds and in both that's true for both of these games there's less rounds in the prodigals club but if someone gets rid of all their money first the game ends early and in both cases you got rid of your money before the natural game forced itself in both cases
1: i did so in the penultimate round
0: yes yeah yeah yeah. i really like that feature of the game but i think i also was sort of planning for all of the turns like okay well now i know how to get to even burn down and it was only because i wasn't really pulling together the right different pieces into this engine of sorts that you build to be able to get rid of all of my money faster. I could figure out a way to evenly burn it, but I couldn't figure out a way to dump it. And when you have those blackboarded cards, they stay in front of you and you get to use them yeah. every turn. But what, you have to have the actions to do it.
1: Getting out of the money is hard, specifically because among the better ways to spend money is to upkeep your property. It's it's expensive to upkeep yeah. your property and there's like bonuses that can make it even more expensive. Yeah. But then like
0: your property sells for more
1: money. You have to sell your property. And then you've, in selling your property, you've gotten rid of your best way to spend money. And I think. And you have to like have an exit strategy for right after you sold your property and no longer have that expensive thing.
0: You did have that wild party card that allowed you to Deep, dump. Yeah, to, so I basically to,
1: dumped all the money into otherwise, it, keeping it up, and then depreciated it anyway.
0: Otherwise, that has to happen round over round. You only yeah. have otherwise one opportunity to depreciate your property every round. And then if someone ends the game early, you, you have even less. And if you don't buy that property at the start of the game, you also have less. So you do need something we didn't know. I don't I didn't realize playing the game for the first time, how many cards like that come through that allow you to just pull it down outside of the regular number of turns. So, yeah, I think those modifiers, which they told you were happening and we'll talk about how you get those. I think that was the part that I didn't really understand. And I think for me, it was going to take seeing those kind of options to understand when it was a good or bad idea to do those things.
1: Well, and then interestingly, depreciating it was never as cash negative or depreciating it was never as cash negative as upkeep. So upkeep might be three to five and on something like that, the depreciation would be one to three. So you're losing more money by keeping it up, even though you maintain the value of the house. But the but then, problem
0: is you get the money back.
1: <laughs> the depreciation, yeah, the depreciation means you have less of a nut to crack once you've sold it. Right. So it's, it's a, and that's it's the, an interesting give and take. I think early you should be keeping it up and then mid game you should be transitioning into how do I get rid of this?
0: Even so, if you have not been depreciating it, you, even if you get rid of it, you then have to have some kind of mechanism by right. which to get rid of the money also, you got interestingly,
1: back. you can keep it up and like lose more money in the short term, but it costs you an action, but the depreciation is passive. So it's it's, it's really there's passive. a lot in it. You know the, there's a lot like in it.
0: It's a gr- all these things, I think it's a great game. Yeah. And I think all of it put together is well balanced. I will also say there are properties that offer depreciation. I had two farms which don't neither depreciate neither of which offer that depreciation, but you can have higher upkeep costs by having like a dog or a horse or on your farm. Yeah. Maybe there's one where you have people What we haven't actually mentioned about this game is how are we taking any of these actions and how are we really any of these cards? So it is worker placement. There is a central worker placement board. It's not one of those where you have like work actions on your own board. There are these top hats that you can put out onto the worker placement spots on the board. You can only ever get two of those hats. So you don't have a lot of options. And with those two hats, there are a variety of cards that come out from different decks that you could choose to take. Which would be buildings or helpers. Buildings or the mentioned. helpers or so on. You have the option to just flat out spend two coins or which, spend two which I did several times. tokens because they're kind of like they're more like cardboards, rectangles. You did do that a lot. You have the option to just draw a card blind from the deck of your choice. Yep. Uh, I, did. I did not at all. You can add more slots to your player board for holding cards, where you can take actions if your main board kind of gets filled up. Depending on what kind of engine you're trying to build, I think there might be one other action yeah, there. It's,
1: you can uh, adjust the economy, so which types right. of houses have a
0: so there's four different types of houses. You can go from a positive three to a negative three. There's a couple in between. They're set values, and so you could use one of your actions so that you adjust the market where like farms, no one wants a farm right now. It's negative three if you sell it. And then you go ahead and sell your farm so that you are yeah. getting back
1: in the least amount of money. Ideally, you buy it with the plus three modifier and sell it with a minus three modifier.
0: Exactly, the opposite of anything that you ever want for your regular life. Yeah. Now, so that's you're gonna get one or two of these top hats to use. Again, not very many. How you find out, both the turn order and how many top hats you're gonna get is a different section of the board. And you do this first, where there's maybe seven ish different choices. Sure. And each one of those is a column. And in that column, the first option, the first uh, item is how many cards you're gonna get to draw. From mm-hmm. the decks that you wanna draw, it'll all be blind draws. And the
1: options are from two to seven, but not everyone. Zero every number, to is seven. There. Oh, sorry,
0: yeah, zero to seven. It is zero to seven. And the next one is how many top hats you're going to get, one or two. Right. And then the final one is how many actions are you going to get after you've completed your worker placement phase? That's one to four. I think that's one to four. Let's say that it is. could be a zero. I don't remember. So in a regular game, everyone in turn order would just pick. And there we there's a couple other action spots we didn't mention. It's fine. We don't have to explain literally everything there's here. There's other people who do that. There are other people who do that and really well. In a regular game, you would just place out wherever you want to go in a three or more player game. In a two player game, it's a serpentine where the first person blocks an action. The second person blocks an action and then chooses an action. And then the first person, now that it's serpentine back to them, chooses their action. So they get first refusal, but last choice.
1: Yeah, I thought that was fun.
0: I think that was really good for two players i think that was an interesting balance and you do that first refusal last choice but then when you go to place out your top hats you get to go first and each of those spots only can have one hat there's one exactly one option which is draw a card blind where everyone can do it but everything else only has one slot and furthermore when you if someone else has the first pick of the cards There's a lot of different options, but like a lot of there can be times where there's just one card that that you need that you need. So by not going first or there's one card that's super advantageous. I think that part I didn't love the kind of luck swings that are there. And I think in a game like this where there is a fair amount of strategy, I am usually trying to understand how do I compensate in my strategy for the luck? And I think in a good game, I think this is a good game. I think there are no one lucky event should be so much that it makes or breaks the game. I think that's still true here, but we've only played it once so far. Yeah. And I did have a couple like that thing where I got
1: to depreciate my townhouse three times in a row, even though mm-hmm. I kept it up every every turn that I had, it was pretty good.
0: And that's just the goal. Like, that's the think, goal of what you're doing.
1: Yeah. But I think like I think there is a viable way to play this game where you just lean into events and companions and try to spend just a truck ton of money without ever never getting anything
0: anything back yeah Yeah. but you're not you you never have a big expense and then you know because like managing the actions is another tricky thing where even if you might have the pieces that's where i felt like i was a little bit i couldn't get the right blend of actions and useful actions i got a card that let me take actions for free basically to spend money and on my farms but then i like would have an action left over and I wouldn't have anything to do with it. Right. And it was like, oh, clearly that's a problem. I right. need to have something for this action because that's just money that I'm not getting to spend. Right. So that is last will. Pretty complete explanation and discussion on it. We're going to hop on over to Prodigal's Club, which in a lot of ways is exactly the same, but it's not actually the it's, same. It's twice as much fun. You still have top hats. There are top hats. A lot of the iconography is the same, and that feeds into the fact that you can play Last Will as kind of an expansion add-on to Prodigal's Club. But in this one, you are trying to... You're kind of from a well-off family, and you are trying to completely spoil all the goodwill that you have from being part of this lineage. It was kind of my take on it.
1: Yeah, I think the idea is... Um... You, you don't want to get elected or have anybody like you.
0: Yeah. You're kind of rejecting everything that you, the rest of your company or, or your family up to this point has stood for. So you're going into these nice places and being very rude and irreverent. You're trying to offend people. So yeah. we played with... I believe on one of the cards, you blow smoke in a restaurant patron's face. There you go. And yeah, the artwork for all of these is about what you'd expect. It's pretty irreverent. It does feel pretty dated but in a way that also I think kind of fits with it. Right. And because you're trying to spend all your money and then offend everyone, you are not really endorsing the, that kind right. of lifestyle either. And I think that would be the a big criticism to the style of it otherwise.
1: What was that game where you could only have people from the same country sitting at a table?
0: Oh, Cafe International. It's
1: not outdated and <laughs> it looks, it's not like that, it, but the art is similar.
0: They didn't bother to do any diversity representation. Yeah. And that's probably for the best if you compare it to Cafe International. Yeah. In the app review for Cafe International, like the people who made the app respond back to comments to say like, this is the original artwork. We did not do this. Please, like, that's not us. We're not, con- we're not condoning we- it just because it's in this app. We just made the game. We just made the game. Yeah. Cafe International is wild. I think they made a new version of it. But anywho, you have uh, three different board options. You have to play with at least two of them. We played with just two. We played with the kind of election board. I don't remember what they're really called. right? But the political approval board yeah. and the societal approval, approval board. board. So it's like, you know, you're going out to dinners and attending those kind of events. And the political one is votes, where the idea is your father has already bought you votes. 42, to be specific. And I so think you have to offend number, people sorry. away from
1: those. The number 42, I think, uh, shows up in the starting parlance a couple times in both games i forget how it was in the first one but there was something that we were, there were 42 of and i feel like maybe they're just 42, uh Hitchhiker's oh. guide to the galaxy fans
0: i don't remember that the reference in last will but you do it is 42 votes and i don't n- know if it's 42 votes at every player count uh, that might have been just so maybe for our player count like, maybe it might just, it might have just worked out with the overall math of the game as what you dive down for the votes it is just a straight number track and that is a lot more like money where you're just like there's this number make this number go to lower of these votes the uh social goodwill board is more complicated there's three columns and there's four tokens on those three columns and each of the columns starts with a number like 14 or so 14 yeah. and it goes down to something like negative three but it's not not all the numbers are represented not all the numbers are represented that is correct and you're trying to each one of those four tokens represents i guess a, a group of people that you are trying to lower your standing with. And those numbers represent what is your current standing with them. When the game's over, your score is gonna be the highest of those two things. The votes or the people. The votes or the people on your board. And whoever has the lowest, highest number wins. So this is one where you are, it's a thing that happens in like, um, in other games, maybe just Tigers and Euphrates, Yellow and Yangtze, one of those where You, out of everything you score, the one that's the lowest is the one that is your score. And this is like both inverse. The coffee game did something like that. Yeah, because it's trying to encourage you to keep everything kind of, yeah, diversify, keep everything kind of even. This is like both the same but also opposite as, and still the same.
1: As Kelly was reading the rule, I thought myself, well, I'm only going to do one half of this game. And then at the end <laughs> she was like, and then it's the lowest of your highest. And I was like, oh, okay.
0: okay I guess play I'll, play I'll play the whole game. Games. You, you did a great job. Again, you won both games. So in this one, it's working very much the same. You still have hats, but you have a lot, you have a lot more of you them. Have five hats. And you have five all the time. You don't have to have maybe one or two. Yes. That element of like deciding bidding for which pieces of what am I going to get that's gone you just put out the tokens there's cards on both of those boards that we mentioned the society and the votes one there's cards on those boards you put the actions out there you get the cards you play the cards just like the other one so that
1: part gets a little
0: simplified
1: but then what's limited action so if you collect the cards you can play them
0: you don't have to worry about counting your actions that is a little hard to keep track of In last will you have a action counter on the side of your board and it is crucial to use it because it is very easy to yeah, lose because you track
1: can earn extra actions during your turn and it's...
0: yes and it's easy to be like well i want to do this now and be and then realize oh i, I have you no actions You say left. it's crucial but we're all pretty good at dominion i think it's just you got
1: to be in the right mindset
0: oh i don't think it's easy and i was i was absolutely watching you very closely and before you would take an action you'd be like i'm going to do this i'm like move your marker because i think this is just a characteristic of how deep you'll get into a gameplay You'll just decide you'll have this idea about what you want to do. You will stop moving your action marker and you will just keep doing your plan and then I'll be like, oh, I realize that you're one action off. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I think it's a very natural thing to do that because it is that's maybe a little iffy with the first game. That's maybe my complaint is you do have to be very conscientious. And it is a game that you play one at a time. It's not like a simultaneous thing when you do take your actions you take all of them together. It's not like yeah. one person takes an action and then you flip back and forth. And I think that does help, but it also means how about everybody help you make sure you're taking the right number of actions?
1: The uh, the one thing that you didn't cover on the society track that I think is interesting. Yeah. You did say there are three columns and four oh, tokens. Yes. You you need to move them down the tracks and you can move down, down right, down left, depending on yes. the actions. And yes. then what they're there being four is interesting because you can't move into an occupied space. So you have to get One of you, you have to make sure they're out of each other's way.
0: Yes. So they don't block. And
1: you're sometimes incentivized to line them up all in one column. You're sometimes incentivized to have them in certain locations. And so it's a little, it's like a, it's like a tricky fun puzzle.
0: It's not that hard to learn. And I think even after, after playing last will, it's even easier because the kind of core concept and iconography are the same. However, I did not like the rule book at all for Prodigal's Club. I thought it was much worse. I did not like the setup at all. The cards and which decks you put where is makes complete sense once you've played it. And when you don't understand anything that you're going to do in this game, it makes, I think, no sense.
1: Yeah, It took a, it took a minute, but it was like once we started playing, it was fine.
0: Once we started playing, it was absolutely fine. But yes, um, when we're talking about like, oh, well, these tokens, they move down or down left or down right or just sideways yeah, you sideways so. it's a lot going on there are cards that then dictate which ways they might move and that can change based on you have two uh, let's i think two girl tokens and two boy tokens yeah. two pink ones and two blue ones again we're going straight down some yeah, stereotypical really lines yeah, yeah. yes certain cards will only have movement for certain genders allowed sometimes they have to be in certain configurations in order to get the most from that movement right you got to be moving them out of the way if that weren't enough you also have on some of those people icons right next to the number so not the people themselves but the oh, position yeah. on, they are on, on the track. track yeah there's an, there'll be an icon next to them and while the person is at that position you get that icon another place there are icons are these little green tiles that come along with the voting side of things? Oh, yeah. And you are making this grid of tiles where you have to match up the sides as you place them into a freeform grid, however you see fit. And then if you match up two of the icons, you get one of you get, you get the symbol. No, just you one. get one. Okay. One. I'm like, could I have had two symbols? Oh, no, no, no. Just would have went faster. Uh, you get one of those icons. So then you're also trying to choreograph where they are because the cards that you place on your action board will also have that symbol. and usually you get to take the action described as many times as happens as many times as the symbol. So you're trying to lose a lot of votes? Well, do you have a lot of property yeah. symbols? The more property symbols you have, the more votes you can lose. And that was the thing that was a little tricky about moving the people down, which is what I got caught up in. I had a way to move the people down into the left. But yeah. then once they were all in the left column, couldn't use the down left action, I couldn't use that at all. So I think what I should have done was throw that card away. Oh. and put something else there that moved them either down to the right or straight down or got me just different points. I think I shouldn't have kept once they got over. I think I should have just gotten rid of that card because there's no penalty. Well, you for could that.
1: have used your top hats to go down, right? So that you can come back to down left when you were in your action phase.
0: I could have done some things, but I don't, think that what i did was right because i did lose by um i think technically it was eight or nine to I, like 18, 18 to or nine. more 18 to nine so yeah lost by nine which is in the scope of all the points you could lose by you could lose by a whole lot in this game oh yeah. um but i something for both this one and the other one because i wasn't that far I, off in the other one I either. i think it
1: felt worse because i was negative four on one of them and you were above like,
0: yes, like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. My two were pretty zero. close together. Yeah. I think they were 18 and like 14. And I was So a, I was doing a like good a job driving them both nine. down. And you were -4 and 9. So you had a bigger disparity between your two, but you got that one down and ending a round earlier. I had put out a top hat to go first in the last round. Oh yeah. The last round never came. And I had I had a tone when Aaron told me they're like, oh, well, you couldn't have known that. And I'm like, but you knew that. I did know I was going to end the game. Exactly. And that's fine. That's more my qualms about playing, playing a first game and especially a first game. And what is the spirit with which we play a first game? And we have yet to agree on that. Well, I, all, think,
1: I don't think I disagree. I just think I find well, it I hard in the moment to make the decisions that, you want.
0: Okay, your actions. Let's let's walk away from this. <laughs> okay. Let's walk away from this. And now we've done two games took a little longer than usual but it's a double it's kind a, of a double a double, episode. double whammy. so we're gonna get into our thoughts but i'm gonna skim right by these are four standard questions we're gonna skim right by is it good because we both we agree like both that it these. is good we don't have any conflict there to resolve as far as how easy or difficult it is to learn i think that it would be much harder to learn prodigals club first yes Uh, and then once, you know, one of them, I think it's ultimately not that hard to learn the other one and the overall it has a lot of iconography, but it's very helpfully explained on one page on the back of both rule books. So that's very well done and very clearly stated. So that could have been a bit of a hiccup, but I think both rule books do that very well.
1: Yeah. And I think the last will is somewhat simpler and therefore easier to learn. And if you were going to play both of them, you should play that one first
0: yeah yeah that just overall because its
1: rule book is easier than once you've learned it that it makes the, so much to the transfer kind of the rigmarole in the second one easier to get through
0: yeah 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 and then what makes this game unique again we've already kind of talked about that one you're driving towards the bottom you're starting with points that you are getting rid of in other games where you start with like i'm thinking of five tribes you start with a lot of points you right. start with a lot of vp well, which is your, your points. money yeah so in that sense there are not a lot of games well maybe i don't know I feel like five tribes is one where you start with quite a bit of points at the beginning of the game. You're trying to maintain and exceed that and figure right. out where do I spend this money to get the right points. This you do also start with quite a lot of points at the beginning of the game, except they are effect. You're effectively starting in debt
1: Well, I think. I mentioned at the top of the episode that I found it similar to the mechanic where you're trying to not have money left over. Yeah. What's unique about it, even in comparison to those games, Mm -hmm. is it's pretty liberating. And I think this does speak to the emotional experience you were talking about. Yeah. It's pretty liberating to not have that be an opportunity cost, because usually in those games, you're anytime you choose to spend the money, you're spending it to get points and you're choosing these points over those points. And in this case, it's like, no, I, I don't want this money back. I don't. I'm not going to use this money for anything else. There's no negative effect of me getting rid of money
0: in this game. I think the, which I now understand, but it took me playing through it to get. The money is a resource, but your actions. It's how much money can I dump per action. So it's not that you need to care, is this the right way to get rid of money or not? You do need to care, am I taking this action and not getting rid of enough Money per action that I take, and I think even that's more specifically, where I say,
1: since the actions are variable, how much money per round can I get rid of?
0: Per round, because
1: then you're deciding.
0: Yeah, can I, s- I get
1: rid of ten with the two actions and draw seven cards, or do I need the four actions because I don't have as many high volume ways to get rid of money?
0: I yeah, I think that's fair to say because I said I had extra actions. Right. which meant that I did not use I didn't get the right cards I think I didn't have enough cards right and typically if game. you have
1: extra actions you sacrificed a card on the initial auction to get the additional action
0: mm. so I think I overvalued actions thinking I would need to take more turns to get rid of things but you can't and you don't inherently have something to do with that action right so it was really balancing those two yeah that was last will especially what made right. it unique. I think in Prodigal's Club, we haven't played with all three components, right, but they right. kind of say like, you know, this the, the two Play that we with played this. with is uh, is a very reasonable way to start. And I think a good balance since the option to add Last Will is also that third board in there where we felt like we kind of right. just did that half of it. I think that the vote side of it seemed pretty similar to Last Will, all things said and right. done, but the societal part of it and the way that board
1: And we didn't even talk about that was different. Beatrice, who was trying to improve your standing by saying all the good things that she heard from your mother.
0: Yeah. So she would have some she would go talk to some group of people and there'd be a tile there for the whole round that would let you know who she was going to go talk to. You could go there for an action to just block her entirely. It'd yeah, be like, Beatrice, don't talk about me. Or it's like, yeah, everybody in your, there was a red, orange, and uh, yellow column. And it would just be like, yeah, everyone in your orange and yellow column are going to go up by one because Beatrice you're like, is, thinks you, you're just a sweetheart. So I think and that, that also, whole side of the board was pretty fun. Yeah, there was a megaphone option on the vote side that effectively did the same thing. Right. You were trying to get more negative there. And if you weren't loud enough, if people didn't hate your speech enough, then you would go up a little bit. But I also think you took that at the end when it was most crucial. And I had been doing it a lot throughout the game. So again, I had more of a slow burn of, okay, here's how I can equally get rid of stuff. And you were better at getting rid. You in both games did like a big dump all at once. Right. And it was effective strategy and I was not ready for it. So yeah, I think that is what makes each of these games unique, um, even though together as a unit, what makes them unique is pretty similar.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a Go Broke. It's Go Broke, and in a, in a gaming world, there's not a lot of Go Broken.
0: Yeah, um, and that leads us nicely into how do you feel while playing. Now, I was not thrilled that I lost both games. Didn't feel good about that at all. And I think in, I know how calculating Aaron is and how good he is at this. I think in a game that felt overall less competitive, I would have been having more goof around times about the story that I was creating in front of me, where I you know, had these couple farms, I had this school friend that I just kept giving money to, and he let me, I guess, have more of a gang of people at my disposal. I think I would have enjoyed the story that was being created there a little more, leaned into that a little harder. I like that when you play every game, the different cards that you get, you have that option, that thematic option to talk about this person's particular decline into poverty.
1: Yeah. And I think I would say the way I felt during those games was entertained and engaged. Yeah. And I think, in spite of the fact that kind of evaluation of my gameplay is sort of like breaking it down, devoid of the theming, the theming is also entertaining. So, like, I had fun with the idea of ruining my townhouse, but also. I was also just doing a lot was, of math.
0: It's just not. Yeah. Because when we first started, you were telling me how you approach games and that you're creating a plan before you've even heard all the rules. And I was like, I can't I can't even understand that. Well, like, I'm just I trying to like imagine like, OK, send to that. There's, I,
1: halfway through the rules, there's like things start to have relative value and you're just starting to. Like, think about how you're going to do
0: previously said, maybe not on the podcast, but certainly in our lives. And I'm trying to get better at rule books. And I don't have in my head when trying to take in a rule set, I don't have any extra space for also creating hypothetical strategies. Sometimes the strategies aren't good. I don't even have space for bad ones. (laughs) I don't have space for verified bad ones. And I think
1: I mean, just like in the other game, I said, oh, I was listening to the rules. And then strategizing about how I was only going to use half the board. And then the very last line was like, well, that strategy's not going to work.
0: Right. And like that's all helping you understand the rules. And it's it would only be distracting me. But I want to say before we get into our final closing here about the how do you feel while playing? I think in other games, the money can be a, a point of scarcity. So you're right. trying to get more of it. You're trying to have enough of it, whatever. And I think this uh, thematically is throwing that on its head and also in the mechanism, but there's other scarcity. And I think that that was kind of the undercurrent that I am surfacing as we talk about this is that, yeah, I had a lot of money. Money wasn't the problem. I didn't have things to do with it, but I like there was scarcity of the actions, especially in last will actions available to get rid of it. And then in Prodigal's club, there was scarcity of ways to burn that goodwill. And it was, I think that's a kind of interesting story and one that you could probably reflect into society where it's like, well, it seems like no matter what this person does, we still are like fine with it collectively. Like they, you would think they'd run out of goodwill by now, but it's just like, no, they seem fine. And it's just about having that kind of excess. It really does maybe take a, lot of effort to burn through all of that goodwill into like true poverty. We could start naming names at this point. I, mean, I think we, we should
1: won't. we should, yeah. What's we the next won't. question?
0: The final one is in closing, would we recommend this game? We're still thinking about I think I might do top shelf, mid shelf, low shelf, bottom shelf games. Oh and yeah. I think it might be an approach to how I decide oh, how the to the games cull- in, in in this no, room. No, 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 no. How I decide to call games. Like I might go through the oh. list of games and organize them into a top shelf, mid shelf, or bottom shelf game, and then looking at that bottom shelf of games, then decide. So I'm I'm leaning towards that as an effective way for uh, kind of evaluating because every game can be so unique. As we're saying, it gets very hard to say, well, you know, do we recommend this game? And it's like, yeah, we recommend all the games, but that we're not in that yet. Do we recommend this game? And if so. Who do we think especially would enjoy it?
1: So I'm going to share a little bit about my own self-reflection about games. Great. I, I think if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you might say about me that I like midweight games a lot. But I don't think that's a thing I would have said about myself.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Because you don't... I typically review them while I think. Uh, oh, okay. this is my reflection I'm like okay. but I wouldn't say that about myself because I like to think of like myself as in kind of big and chunky games or whatever but I think the more that we play a variety of games and don't really play the same game over and over again yeah. that kind of paradigm we, we've been in for a long time just makes me really drawn to good midweight games and so I say I love this game for me it's a top shelf game and a part of it is it's a good middleweight game that's easy to learn, but still is intellectually challenging. And I like it a lot. How
0: midweight is this? Well, I mean, I think
1: there's there's kind of two big factors that I think in, in terms of, of weight. One is it doesn't take, I mean, you can play it in under an hour.
0: So length.
1: So the length of the game is kind of pulling it down from being a big, chunky game. And then I think the for either one of them, there's actions and worker placement and a, an economy and so you could make an argument that it's somewhat complex but in my mind that the 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 theming and the actions work so well together it doesn't seem like a hard math problem
0: one of the things that i have come to i think i'm beginning to have a theory or an idea about is four really big games sometimes once you've learned them they can feel easier than lighter ones and it's a little bit because, yeah, you have all these options available to you, but once you actually understand them, you actually only have like two options. Right. And I think, like,
1: like even if you go back to like the original games that we played, like Katana is a middleweight game. It's a, it, and then uh, yeah. like Agra is a heavy game.
0: Yeah. I think that it, for me, it gets cloudier what weight things are. And especially for games like this that do present you with a lot of options. Right. And there's not really anything to ensure. I, I think I'm more hesitant to call a game midweight, if there's nothing to ensure a kind of sense of rubber banding about how this will progress. I think the limited turns, yes, but I don't really know how I want to define what midweight is. Well, I think if you like complex games that
1: you can play in under 90 minutes for sure, and you probably under an hour if you don't overthink it, this game is for you.
0: The actual weight of it aside, I think the thing that's difficult about this game is not only are you making these selections as to where to pick something, but you're kind of have to factor in the the card math of what's coming out. And then you also have to be building an engine. And I think that the rule book is not explicit about all of the things that are actually happening.
1: You like in a rule book, and especially in a game as complex as this, when they give like strategy hints, none
0: of that. I wouldn't. In my mind, it's not even strategy hints. It's a complete rule book. But let me not get a too much on a soapbox about that. I think it's like, and I, you know, I'm gonna say dudes, but I guess it could be both women and men, but it's just a bunch of dudes thinking they're clever with one another. Like that's how I feel about it. I think that it's a more alienating part of the hobby that shows up to not just tell me this was my qualm with Prodigal's Club when we were setting up the cards. So I just didn't get what we were doing with the cards. And it was saying like, well- And there's a
1: lot of cards and you don't use very many of them per game.
0: Yeah, and they have to be in certain decks in certain places. And it said like, okay, well, the single icon cards are gonna go before the double icon cards. Sure, whatever. As we're playing it, we realize that in a certain round, everything flips over to double icon cards. And I was sort of charmed by the switch. And I was like, why wouldn't they just, it takes one line. In the book to say at round four, all of the cards will be double action. The single cards, the single icon cards will be used for the first three rounds and the double icons across every tile and card are all going to come out in the fourth round. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really change the strategy necessarily, but it does tell you exactly when those differences
1: You understand there's going to be a fundamental switch in the economy at that point.
0: Yes, and I think that you took advantage of the fundamental switch in the economy. Again, you were delighted when the cards showed up and we all knew they were coming, but I don't think either of us knew that they were going to uniformly present themselves exactly As I was turning them
1: over, I'm like, oh, look, they did a thing. It's all running. All the single cards
0: have just run out. And I was just annoyed like, you could have told me that in setup. There's no reason not to. So yeah, I think that what you're saying is valid, but I also believe that there's a lot going on in this game. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to understanding. I said about the second one, Prodigals Club, that there was just one more layer of iconography that I it was didn't good really. It's it's all fine, yeah. but there was just one more layer of it that I was like not ready for because the political will cards have another set. They of have a icons. set of iconography
1: now. What I thought was helpful because they they were similar art and similar shapes and for a while I was looking for a beer mug like in On. the other smaller things but the beer mugs were always big and the so like they were different sized so yeah. it was clear that they were in different sets but even that took it like I had to figure that out it wasn't in the rule book
0: and all I mean to say about my recommendation here I still think they're good games but I I think don't be fooled by feeling like they're a lighter game than they are I think especially if you're going to play it with someone who is very strategic there's a lot going on here to understand when do i need to take this action away from someone else when do i need to take it for myself am i getting the right value for this action versus that one when do i play things onto my board that makes sense because i'm gonna have turn over turn to use them when is it too late in the game for me to play this card on my board how many of the one-time actions do i need to be favoring versus the ones that i get to use turn turn When does it make sense to just dump two coins versus pull up another card? And what are the odds that that card is going to be better than me just dumping two? There is a lot going on.
1: I only ever used the two coin thing when I had adequate actions already planned in my hand and didn't need an
0: additional card for that exact turn. I think it's neat that you already had a system in place. That's cool on the first game. And what I'm saying is I don't think that's inherent. So... I think it is a good game. I really like the theme. I think you could have more of a goof around time with it as well. And maybe that's the point you're making of it being possibly mid-weight. But the actual, uh, we have two other games by this designer. In addition to these, we had four of them here that we had not played any of them until today. So also Underwater Cities and Woodcraft. Games I've heard great things about, but aren't like light games. So I think that that's maybe a hallmark of this designer. I think that it's really well done and it gives the appearance to you of it being like seamless. Well, I and think, I think it, I think it's, it's well executed, but I think it's a lot. I think on a recent episode,
1: we talked about how some games you want to play. I don't know if was a recent episode or just a conversation we had. It could be either. Sometimes but, we
0: record it. Sometimes like, we don't.
1: I think there are certain t- games that you want to play with someone who is in the same gaming mindset as you. And I think this is a for me, that's why I call this middleweight. And I think if you played uh-huh. it with someone who's in the same gaming mindset with you, someone like me who wants to kind of heavyweight. But if we're both doing it, then it's kind of, you know, it's it's lightweight. It's not. OK. You know what? OK. I, okay. I think I think right. this discourse between you and I uh-huh. has, I think, elucid you know, has elucidated the type of game that this is
0: yes i I don't know that we
1: need to keep talking about it. i
0: think we are shining light on this from two different perspectives which i hope is giving a very holistic view of this game which is i like doing discovering and playing games that aren't just brand new it's very easy to be attracted to the newest shiniest thing sometimes what makes that hard is these games could be harder to find it also means that in this case both of these games came from like a clearance sale that adam found so You can also be on the lookout for this game just popping up somewhere you might not expect because Last Will has had over a decade, I think it's 2011, did I say? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Over a decade of just swimming around in the world for you to maybe pop up, see a copy, have the opportunity, the more likely opportunity to get it used, which you can't always say for new games. If you look on Board Game Geek page, it's linked in the episode description. Scroll down to their Geek Market section. Someone might be selling a copy of it and even if it wasn't in great condition, I mean, it's cardboard, it's cards, so they could be kind of grubby, but it's certainly worth a shot, it's certainly worth a try. I think you yeah. could probably get this game pretty affordably. I don't know how much it was new, but I could also see it being a game that was, for what happens here and for how much replay value you could get out of it, I could see it being $60. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that's a really good... Either re- one of them. I think that's a really good recap of the episode and like the number of points I had at the end of each game, I have nothing more to give. Oh, God. I probably won't leave the yoga in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to episode 125. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com and you can email us at podcast at varianhex.com. Check the links in the episode description if you'd like to see more about these games or perhaps even buy a copy. At the time of recording, you can find used copies of Last Will for about $20 and Prodigal's Club for $25. The next episode will be our Games of the Month for September 2023, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 124 more episodes headed your way, the next one being a review of the dexterity game Men at Work. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.